You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Born Wild podcast. We are your hosts, Sophia, Leah, Allie, Mina, Angela. We have the whole crowd today. It's very exciting. Let's do check-ins first. Nina, what's your check-in? <laughs> Live. My check-in. I've been under a rock, under a sick rock with my entire family for the last 10 days. Holy cow. But I am well. We are well now. And I'm really good. We're in the world again. That's my check-in. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you can do. Yeah, that's all it is. Our module's going. Got eight left. Woo! Yeah. And how many births? Three. Three, I think. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm getting there. Very exciting. We'll have to have a dinner when you're done. Yeah. We'll crack a bottle of champagne. Yes, please. Yeah. And then so breakfast in the morning. Lovely <laughs> <laughs> bummer. It's been a long journey. Oh, almost yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Angela? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I just have been my 20th module, so I have seven more before I'm halfway there. That's amazing. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, and I'm halfway through my assist births as well now. Got 11 assists. So I was so surprised to hear that. I was like, in my head, I was thinking it was going to take so much longer, but yeah. yay. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So. Because you were thinking like maybe September at the rate we've been going? Yeah, looking at our calendar, it mm-hmm. seems like September might be good months. a big month. Sooner if we, yeah, you know, if you more. all of a sudden have yeah, a bunch more, more yeah. July people or something like that. So that's exciting. Cool. I'm like a relaxed limp needle. <laughs> that's Allie speaking. <laughs> From my bliss uh, day last night. Yes. Yeah, I feel good. And I'm almost halfway in this list too. It's it's interesting how it's been pairing up because for those of you who don't know, Leah and I share an on-call schedule. Mina goes to all the births and you two could kind of just do whatever you wanted and you decided to have divide it by location of the person you know the moms are closer to alley you would go to and it just kind of has worked out so perfectly and even yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. um i'm good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i'm feeling the age thing it's interesting i'm not old but my neck is just your neck is old <laughs> it's old <laughs> Yeah, no, I've just been having some body stuff. I think this weekend was very relaxing. Um, I'm, yeah, I think I'm just like exploring what it means moving into this next decade of my life as a midwife and like how to physically care for myself. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's changing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. 
Anthony about beef liver capsules, man. <laughs> Said the <laughs> almost my entire life, but yeah, it just apparently sounded good. Something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had a cool birth. Mm -hmm. Sophia and I both got to be at, which was fun. Mm -hmm. Done that for a little while. Next a little better. Just you can move your head. I can yeah. move my head. Baby steps. <laughs> Baby steps. So uh I feel wrecked physically. <laughs> I am covered in bruises. I was rushing and tripped on my dog's doggy gate and got tangled in it and fell and fell on it and fell on the floor and then he thought that that meant I wanted to play and so he, <laughs> he's a boxer and they really do box and so he was like boxing my face while I was on the ground oh and Spencer was in the other room he's like are you okay I was like no <laughs> and then he didn't, he didn't even really help he's just like I wish there was a video that recorded how you ended up in this because I think I was like tangled like on the fence still but like on the ground yeah so I have a lot of bruises so I went to the chiropractor today um yeah those are all my updates um we have a couple topics that we could pop around and I figure we'll just like start at the top and we'll just see what this podcast ends up being about <laughs> um but the first one was um you know this is mainly I mean I guess this could be for anyone it could be for midwives who need to talk families through a birth um maybe you know you don't make it to the birth and it just seems like it's either happening fast or um they live far away or some sort of situation where you have to I mean I find that we usually don't have to necessarily <laughs> talk someone through the birth so much as like reassurance that the baby's okay mm -hmm. afterwards um but yeah I just wanted to talk about that those topics and this could also be for families who are going to give birth on like what to look for when your baby's born um and yeah I guess the first thing is just that a reminder I mean midwives know this but a reminder to families that your baby's head can be out and they don't have to be born right away that there's no reason to like pull the baby out or feel panicked or anything like that um it can be alarming to see just like a head sticking out but for the most part usually on the next contraction is all it takes to bring the rest of the baby. Um, and yeah, is there anything you'd add or that you would check in on if you were on the phone with the family and the head was out? Um, yeah, I mean, I think what tends to happen, and I have this conversation, I think we both do prenatally, it's usually a second baby or a you know, not a first baby mm -hmm. is that if baby though we just had a first I baby. know it does <laughs> I have that conversation with them too I think yeah but just that you know babies that come before midwives get there usually are coming so fast mm -hmm. that it's not like the head is crowning for a really long time and then the head is out for a really long time but yeah but yeah the babies are still breathing through their cord essentially mm -hmm. um so the head can be out well we've had like 10 For minutes a while yeah eight minutes i think the longest i had with head out was six, six. i think the one you're thinking about yeah. is breathing the yeah. cry after mm -hmm. yeah but um it was like a few contractions and um she she was like oh i can feel him like 
wiggling moving, and shifting yeah. and you know moving inside and um you know you can always like as a mom you could always change positions if you wanted you know but that usually like you're saying a baby that comes that fast is yeah not usually stuck yeah and they do fine because a couple reasons but you know babies that struggle to kind of get started get activated take that first breath they're usually in the birth canal for a long time or it's like a really long labor and maybe the uterine muscle is a little depleted and the baby's been you know pushing for hours and hours that's when babies are a little stunned but when they fly out as i like to say they're like hello <laughs> yeah it's a big deal but yeah i mean i think being on the phone driving to birth i had a client second baby first one was like 68 hours that's an h yeah um I wasn't there to deliver her first. Oh, but you were second. supposed to be the yeah. second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 68 hour labor, first baby, you know, up and down, but like a longer first baby. And then the second one, they lived like 10 minutes from me and I got there five minutes after. It was like, <laughs> I'm having regular contractions. I was like on my way. I got a text that said the head is out or crowning or something. I was like, what? <laughs> and, then, and it's not even like you live far away. Yeah. No, it was also just a funny text. Yeah. I called I was like so <laughs> and then you know I was there like four minutes later but yeah. um but yeah just like, stay on the phone breathe mm -hmm. do your thing I mean the truth and this is like the core of our philosophy is that you actually don't need us there mm -hmm. so if it happens without us there yeah. well and I think my reason because I feel a little anxious not being there and I recognize that the reason I feel anxious is because I'm worried that they'll be worried and that I wasn't there yeah. to give them the reassurance you yeah. know, yeah. um, and that if I was there, I could have been like, no reason to rush, be patient, you know, the yeah. baby looks fine. And like, but that's the role I want to play if there is a role to play. Um, and that sometimes there's only so much you can do on the phone because you can't really see, you yeah. know. And so I, you know, had to talk a couple people through um, a baby who like didn't come out screaming and crying and was fine but like on the phone how do you communicate with families and reassure them and reassure yourself that the baby is actually fine if you can't hear anything yeah. so I've found you know because we know Akbar's and there's so many things you could check in about but like color doesn't really mean too much in that situation you know cry we know that they could be totally fine and wait a long time to cry um so usually what I've been when families are like not sure how the baby is I've been checking in about tone I think because mm -hmm. I because mm -hmm. I feel like that that could just tell you more like <clears throat> is this in and a floppy baby can still be fine too but yeah. it gives you a little bit like if you're gonna ask any questions like you know how's the baby's tone like can you does the baby hold your finger like when you pull the baby's leg do they pull back like are they mm -hmm. active you mm -hmm. know um because then if they are not you can say like, feel free to like rub, rub your baby, baby. like mm -hmm. try to encourage movement from your baby um, to like, is it, or like, are they opening their eyes? Are they blinking? Like, are they, do they look present with you? Yeah. doesn't matter if they haven't taken their breath, you know? And um, if somebody's concerned about heartbeat, you know, grab the cord, feel the cord. Is there a pulse in it? That's the easiest way to check for heartbeat. Um, but yeah, cause I have had some babies who've taken a while. I mean, the longest we've had at this point was 12 minutes to do their first cry and we were at that birth so we could like see the baby um but I've found that the tone question is your best reassurance you that this baby's present yeah they're yeah. here um 
yeah because there's always the question where you're like do they need to call someone you know you don't want to like reassure someone artificially and mm -hmm. then something is up you know and you told them it was fine have you ever thought about like pulling over and having them FaceTime you so you could look and see what's going on? Like, would it be more valuable to have a visual and not be driving or to get there faster? And I guess it just depends on the situation. Yeah. yeah. If someone like really couldn't communicate how the baby was doing, I think. Yeah. Pull over and yeah. yeah. I haven't done that before, but that seems yeah. like could be a good idea. I did it once and it was so choppy. It didn't feel helpful at all. Yeah. Um, but not to say that it would always be that way. Yeah. Um, in the last couple of times that's happened we've gotten there pretty quick after the phone call right yeah i mean except yeah. for the surprise breach we have first time mom four hour labor surprise breach um i was still like an hour and a half away because mm -hmm. when she hired us um she lived two hours away and we're like it's your first baby it'll be fine <laughs> yeah. and then it wasn't you know i mean it was still fine and it was great but um but that was my first time like talking someone through the reassurance of a breach delivery too. I had never done that on the phone before. Um, and so, you know, like when the legs come out, we look for like the tummy crunch, you know, with yeah. the breech baby. But I didn't like say to him, hey, so when your baby's legs come out, this is what you're going to be looking for. And so after he was like, okay, the legs are out. I wasn't going to be like, did your baby do a tummy crunch? You know? So I was just like, well, does, did, do you see the baby moving? Or does the baby look floppy? And like, as I'm saying that, I'm like, but the baby looks floppy after right. the tummy crunch, you yes. know? So if you miss that movement, he might say the baby looks floppy. And he said, the baby looks floppy. And I was like, okay, well, it could be totally fine or it could not be totally fine. Mm -hmm. And so I just erred on the side of safety. And I said, well, let's try to help the baby out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I walked them through just reach up behind the baby's back and, you know, find the arm and it, the arms came so easily. Um, and then how I directed him with, um, is it just called shoulder press mm -hmm. or is there a name for it? Is there somebody's last name for it? So she was on hands and knees. So after the arms are out, I said, um, okay, you can put your palms on the baby's shoulders and chest and just push horizontal, like along like the floor you know, towards her face. Um, and he did, and the baby came. And I remember after they were asking me one postpartum visit, like if that was really necessary, if the baby was stuck and needed help out. And I said, the baby came so easily, probably not. And I explained the whole floppy tummy crunch situation where I was like, I didn't know. I wasn't there to like witness. And that's a super unique situation. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. but yeah. But these babies can move and, and labor and flip. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it was interesting to be like, oh, I know what I look for if I'm in that situation, but to communicate it to mm -hmm. somebody who is probably like really nervous, yeah. and, you know, it was, yeah. Do we have a, um, a, a document or a handout that we give, like if labor happens really quickly? I feel like I've seen that in our documentation. I don't know if I have ever had one. I've just kind of said. I've had one in the past yeah. in mm -hmm. handbooks, but I don't think we have one. Yeah, she over with major self-defense. Because we talk about so many things at birth team meetings and stuff. And yeah, it's just like, you can't even remember. Yeah. I feel like I always talk about it. Yeah. But it would be good to actually have a document. Have it on the fridge. Have it like, on the fridge. Yeah. Remember that document that we had? This is what we look for in case we're not there. Yeah. 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 
Um, another thing that has been coming up in our practice is this transient tachypnea. Yeah. Um, do well as Allie calls it, <laughs> hyperventilating. <laughs> Temporary newborn hyperventilating. Yeah. Yeah. So live. Yeah. Um. Do does anybody want to like touch on that? Because we've been seeing it. I feel like at least three yeah. or four times, like in the last couple months. Yeah, I had a client a couple months ago, um, really straightforward birth, no issues, and baby's respirations right after the birth were normal, normal range. Um, you know, some babies hover between 60 and 70 a couple hours after birth, which is pretty normal. They're just still figuring it out. Baby's lungs were clear, no other stuff going on, normal temperature eating like a champ and then later in the day baby was born at like nine in the morning ten in the morning something like that um they sent me a video of breathing and he was just breathing fast yeah. he didn't have any retractions or grunting he didn't look like he was struggling to breathe but his respirations were like a hundred yeah. so I went back over and just double checked that that was what was happening and um yeah everything else was totally absolutely normal so we talked about TTN, transient tachypnea of the newborn. Um, and we decided they wanted to wait and see what happened over 24 hours because everything else was going so perfect. Um, and then the next day I checked in and they were still the same, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and we did a O2 on the baby, we used the pulse ox, and it was like on the lower end of four. And like 95, 95 ish. Mm -hmm. And I think just because like if it had been one or the other, we probably would have just, I was like, you could wait it out and see, I'm not seeing any signs. Cause the issue with, there could be underlying issues with oxygenation, the heart, all that stuff, but mostly it's just exhausting. Like yeah. you try breathing mm -hmm. really fast for 24 hours. Yeah. It's yeah. dehydrating, it uses a lot of energy. Yeah. Of energy. Um, you know, and he wasn't showing any signs of that, but the combination of the two, they did decide to go in to the hospital for mm -hmm. just to like make sure. And they More found that he had a murmur um, that they were just going to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, but they didn't, they just observed him. And his oxygen did actually get lower. It did, it went into the 80s. 80s. Yeah. Um, at one point and then but then stabilized and the the pediatrician there said that he had seen babies with that for two weeks mm -hmm. before but they never gave him oxygen they didn't do any blood work mm -hmm. they didn't give him anything. i was surprised how yeah. hands-off yeah it was really was. really hands-off uh-huh mm -hmm. yeah yeah they really just observed him and then I think they were there like a little longer than they wanted to be because they wanted to see his oxygen levels at like a certain place mm -hmm. for a certain amount of time. But yeah, they went home. So it was like one of those situations where you're like, oh, that's a bummer. We went in. Seems like we didn't need to, but like the peace of mind. And some families are just really like, do not want to go in unless it's absolutely clear it's an emergency. And some yeah. like, you know, just wouldn't get a good night's sleep. Yeah, mm -hmm. not being sure. And it's so. so great having that story and having that story actually of them going in and the hospital being so hands-off mm -hmm. because after that, we had a baby with, with TTN and we were able to share that story. And like, not that this would be your baby's story, but like 
sometimes even the hospitals are just like waiting and watching you know um and so I think since then we've had a couple families with this situation and they opted to just stay and like we you know taught them how to count rest (laughs) and um you know they could check temperature and they could do all these things just to make sure everything's normal if they wanted that reassurance um and it all results yeah the last birth that I was at where that happened the baby's oxygen was still Mm-hmm. range so yeah it's interesting yeah it was really fascinating mm-hmm. yeah even after i think we've had like 120 yeah that's, what mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. wild yeah yeah and then just i kept on i listened for like three or four minutes because yeah. i was like mm-hmm. am i actually this i think the <laughs> yeah. had to double check me she's like there's yeah. no way i was like do this she's just the speed a double a double speed every time but it was yeah and I can say it's so a little student because I love Allie. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think it's important to share these stories because then if you have it in your practice, you don't have a potential like, ah, freak out. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, this baby, you know, that you can hear stories where it did work out, you know? And we've had at least four, like I said, in the last, at least this year, if not the last couple of months. Or clients who are afraid to go to the hospital thinking that they're going to do a bunch mm-hmm. that they might just yeah. there observe. There could be a so. baby that there is something going yeah. on, yeah. you yeah. know, and just because we have stories that are like, oh, and it was fine, doesn't yeah. mean that you shouldn't look yeah. for those things and have give informed consent yeah. and talk yeah. about yeah. options because there can be a baby mm-hmm. where everything seems fine and they have yeah really high rest and there is something yeah. going on. Yeah. And yeah. Our, our rule is like, we give all the information and let the parents have their risk analysis because some people would err on the side of safety mm-hmm. and go in and others wouldn't. Um, and we let families know if you want us to make the deciding factor, that's totally fine. We're always going to err. We're always going to go in. We're always going to do the test. Like we're not going to be like, let's just risk it and stay yeah. home. Um, but another good thing to note is a baby that is struggling with breathing will not nurse. They won't feed because they're prioritizing breathing. That was a thing that went on with my son was he would not nurse, but he was struggling with breath, even though his breaths were in normal range. So mm-hmm. that's important too. If you have a baby that's like nursing awesome, it's less of a concern. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I take it too. Yeah. Um, we did have somebody write in with some questions. Um, and I'm attempting very quickly to pull them up on my phone. Just trying to remember what account it was under. This is circling back, but I'm wondering with you guys as doulas, did you guys ever catch babies because the midwife didn't get there in time? No. No? There's so many doulas that that happens to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have like three times. Yeah. I don't think I would have caught. I just would have. I mean, I've been parent, I mean, yeah. well, you know what I'm yeah. <laughs> there. Yeah. In at a birth almost as a doula by yourself because the midwife had to yeah, I mean, well, Ali's done planned at a system. Yes. Yes. And I've had, I mean, close, like within minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Here's some questions. Michelle Siever, I hope I pronounced that right, had some questions. She's a future nurse. She wanted to know what are some holistic methods we utilize when helping women birth babies, just in a very general question. And what successes we've seen with these methods. Um, do you believe holistic medicine has a place in hospitals? If so, what is the future of holistic medicine in hospitals during labor and delivery? Um, I'm 
I'm guessing holistic medicine. I mean, the first thing I think of is anything that's not like a drug. <laughs> yeah, acupuncture, herbs, chiropractic, chiropractic mm-hmm. any like yeah. alternative methods. I mean, my most dramatic story, I think I've shared it a couple times, but, um, you know, when my daughter was born by cesarean, she, her lungs had collapsed and they had told us there was nothing they could do for her. Um, she'd just be on oxygen the rest of her life. And we did sneak our chiropractor in and she was fine hours later and hasn't had any issues. So I do believe that chiropractic belongs in hospitals. And I think of all the babies that could have been helped by that kind of support. Um, I think that there's a lot of ways that it already has been. And I mean, especially with like positional supports and getting to a understanding about physiology and women and physicians and all of that having to do those yeah spinning babies yeah Yeah. that knowledge more wireless telemetry units and things like that so there's more free movement and people can get in there shower or baths yeah water more tubs in the hospital would be great i mean we're in general they have essential oils available for people you know they like that's readily awesome. offer and mm-hmm. so that's like a way you know just for relaxation mm-hmm. or for boost of energy mm-hmm. peppermint things like that so that's a big are there any like tinctures or homeopathy that you guys pull on i'm just kind of teaching myself because in, in my apprenticeship that was not a piece of it though mm-hmm. she just didn't know a lot about that so i'm just kind of learning so it's not my go to just because I didn't like grow up that way. I really like tinctures. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I don't use them a ton, but um I feel like they've been extremely helpful. I mean can you name any of what yeah. you used before? Yeah. So like passion flower and skull cap I've been really into lately and I feel like for blood pressure it's like huge mm-hmm. game changer passion flower. Um prenatally when moms have had kind of creeping blood pressure and we've addressed other potential like bigger picture issues um doing that has had people stabilize their blood pressure in labor for sure Mm -hmm. like dramatic drop um I also just think sometimes in labor when you're feeling overwhelmed and you're like maybe in that transition between early and active labor kind of letting go of like the fear of like oh this is bad now and I'm only Mm -hmm this many hours in how's it gonna be um i find that like yeah and skull cap too for that for headaches i've had a couple clients do skull cap and that's been really helpful yeah. mother word is really nice for that too mm-hmm. like feeling safe and mm-hmm. releasing fear yeah yeah and then in labor i think we use i mean Some the smooth transitions tincture i found to be really amazing yeah. um, wish garden plan. wish garden yeah um and then cotton root Cohosh. Yeah, I feel like I use tinctures. I mean, if people are asking me for something that they can do, mm-hmm. it's interesting mm-hmm. to talk about like whole like what do you what holistic things do you do to help birth? It's sort of like, well, birth in itself mm-hmm. is a holistic event mm-hmm. that's the whole body and is a natural function. So, so you could just do if you're really not doing it. Mm-hmm. you know it's like to be holistic in the hospital and have like yeah like wireless monitors or whatever it's like correcting what mm-hmm. you're doing to take it away from being holistic by sprinkling holistic things in right. so it's mm-hmm. just a counter mm-hmm. thing but i yeah. mean yeah 
Um, another question, do you believe in complementary care like Western medicine and hospitals combined with holistic medicine and like the benefits of that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that would be like a dream world where we could like start one way, but be graciously <laughs> accepted. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it would be amazing to have like a body balancing a specialist, spinning babies person, and a chiropractor on call at the hospital, and people who could come in and mm -hmm. work, right, work on things that are come come from an angle that's just not available in those settings. And offering the postpartum support that midwives offer, mm -hmm. right, for people who birth in a hospital, you don't have to go. Yeah. Or if you can't hire, the hospital should be hiring a midwife to come yeah, do right. it. <laughs> well, in Europe, they have people, nurses, nurses or midwives yeah. that are just paid for by the health service that mm -hmm. come to your house and not as frequent as we do, but mm -hmm. a decent amount. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting in the hospital, like with the chiropractor, acupuncture, people who have like graduate level degrees in mm -hmm other modalities of healing it's not like they're in reiki people coming in like yeah. these are people that have doctorates yeah. you know mm -hmm. so um and i think that so many people who work in the hospital system and who go there people who would consider themselves like very mainstream western medicine people mm -hmm. i mean it's covered a lot now like chiropractic mm -hmm. care things like that like it's becoming mm -hmm. more and more mainstream so in the birth context like for labors or for immediate postpartum having an acupuncturist there like I yeah. just wonder what bridge needs to be crossed or a chiropractor for mm -hmm. babies like is it liability mm -hmm. they have liability insurance most chiropractors yeah. do I think and because like Kaiser has chiropractors but they're just not like a part of the birth world right yeah. right so what needs to happen to bridge that because yeah absolutely I mean and nothing against Reiki providers like a nine month <laughs> on the weekends yeah. or like right. online yeah. only reiki course right. and they're powerful yeah. and beautiful but it's different i know than what like you meant four <laughs> years i think jen would be a little pissed <laughs> and compared to no right. but you know what i mean um yeah it's an interesting idea i think it like it brings up conflict in me too like i just said i'm feeling political right now but it's like you know like that is absolutely great and for someone who like needs or feels safe in the hospital having those yeah. providers as part of it is amazing and good and it's also like it, it, they're fixing the yeah. problem and like yeah. we had talked <laughs> right. to a NICU, we had talked to a NICU nurse who if my memory is right also does cranial sacral work right yeah. and so she was saying yeah. that like sometimes like you know mm -hmm. it's like yeah if you can like learn these modalities yourself too okay. you know I mean nurses are starting to I mean mm -hmm. there's a lot of nurses who know spinning babies yes. things and yeah. are recognizing yeah. posterior babies when before they would just be like yeah it's just that favor like yeah, yeah. and like, even the girl. last like year or two like the lactation consultant like mm -hmm. in, in general and Marin health they have 24 7 lactation consultants mm -hmm. available that are amazing a lot of them are like, several of them are retired midwives like mm -hmm. home birth midwives um yeah. but yeah and they have like massage available and stuff mm -hmm. i know i had somebody come to massage mm -hmm. and i was in the NICU and i was like it's really but nice. we had to sneak the chiropractor yeah. in you yeah. know yeah um and pelvic floor uh therapy too mm -hmm. i feel like it's mm -hmm. something that should just yeah. be built into yes. the coverage of Agreed. postpartum care and like it's just kind of an afterthought in That's other countries great. it is yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 in germany they have these classes that are called after birth gymnastics that's like the translation <laughs> which doesn't make a lot of sense but it's like pelvic floor yeah. stuff yeah, and, and you just go and people come to the birth center swipe their insurance card 
and it, there's just like when yeah. are you doing this class like yeah, it was yeah. just completely normal you did so like great. four of them I think in yeah. the first like three months or something yeah. which is like true for any other major event that happens with our bodies we break mm-hmm. our arms so we like go to physical therapy totally. like, not that birth is a pathology but it's a huge event right. for our bodies yes. you know, as Absolutely. we know yeah and the lifelong <clears throat> ramifications of yeah. having a weak pelvic floor affect mm-hmm. you yeah. yeah for your whole life can't say how many like moms in my kids preschool class were like having prolapse surgery and I was like when yeah, did you go back to work and they're like oh three weeks postpartum mm-hmm. I'm like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah which we will touch on that realistic postpartum expectations um another question was monitoring babies during labor and does it just have to be machinery or are there other holistic ways to monitor mom and baby and the only thing I could think about is mom's connection to the baby like she can actually feel a baby move um her intuition uh, you mean I've had as a doula I had a mom reach out to me at 41 weeks and was like I was showering and I just feel like something's wrong mm-hmm. and she went in and like there was something wrong with heartbeat and she got in for a c-section it ended up being you know baby's fine after like some brain cooling but it was like there was no machine that told her that yeah. she was just like something's not right yeah. you know mm-hmm. um and she was like I part of me was like oh you're nervous you know you're being dramatic but she just went in and double checked and you know potentially saved her baby's life and yeah I mean kick counts are something that people can do quite before and I guess during labor I've never had that done during labor yeah (laughs) (laughs) be quiet and kick but just checking in with my baby yeah and And a lot of times they're saying like oh the baby's moving and every time they move it causes a contraction yeah Yeah. and I always chart like when that happens you know just so we have it in records um like if they do say because sometimes they're just there's so many sensations they're like not even paying attention to that yeah um yeah um let me see some of the other questions um we kind of touched on how to um manage pregnancy symptoms holistically um is an episiotomy considered a holistic intervention absolutely not (laughs) it's not even (laughs) evidence-based absolutely not um if someone uses your services do they still need an ob at a hospital as well no you would need them if you needed surgery you just get whoever's on call yeah um are there any differences in successful pregnancy rates between utilizing holistic services and midwives as opposed to doctor's offices? Wait, I'm not even sure if I'm... Um, out of the outcomes better? This is totally unrelated, but I thought I just had... Um, I don't know where Dr. Stu at the Breach Workshop was talking about OBs because he's an obstetrician. And just the, like, the idea of like what can... An, obstetrician do that someone else can't surgery surgeons can do surgery i mean if you're a trained surgeon you could do a c-section yeah you can take out a gallbladder or do it like they're all trained in that right Mm -hmm. so like i mean they're specialized in cesarean well they do them a lot but if you went to an er doing any other surgery Third degree, fourth degree. Yeah. I mean, OBGYNs would do like hysterectomies or, I mean, they just do any uterine surgery. They have more practice at it, but like if you were in a rural area and you were pregnant and you rolled into an emergency room and you needed a cesarean, any surgeon there would do it. Right. 
they don't have to have obstetrician like, yeah. tag jobs. Yeah. yeah. But but the point is they could do it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's, it's just like, like, like you know, a nurse, a midwife, uh, I don't know, text can do this, like they could place an IV. You know, like what what specifically do you do that nobody else can? Because they don't resuscitate babies. Right. Right. They don't put in IVs. They don't I mean they don't they, do that epidurals. They don't do the epidurals. You know, they I mean they pull babies out, not always. Sometimes they're good obese but like like what is it that they do that someone else can't do nothing it's an interesting thought mm-hmm. right yeah yeah i mean yeah i think he was saying that in the context of when people are no longer doing breach mm-hmm. or twins like for a twin mm-hmm. extraction like mm-hmm. if you're not willing to do that anymore all you do is a cesarean yeah. what you what, don't separate what, yourself from what do you have just say, another surgeon yeah exactly do CNMs in the hospital do like vacuum extractions or is it usually yeah. healthy? They can. Yeah. And you can squeeze them into it. Yeah. And so I guess there's that. They can vacuum your baby like, out. Yeah. But apparently so can a nurse Yeah. Yeah. Who's the thought? <laughs> it's just interesting because there's so much importance I find like when I'm talking with people, understandably, because we just yeah. don't know what you don't know, but it's mm-hmm. like, but don't I need this this backup person? if I'm going to do midwifery care or any other kind of care, like, but, yeah. Yeah. but I need to have this, oh, this person in place who, yeah, it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we're at the end of our time. The last thing I just wanted to note is um, I want to make sure everyone who is a provider or a parent knows about the fresh test option for gestational diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. Do one of you want to just briefly mention it? And we'll leave a link in show notes. It's just the glucola alternative. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about it, just that it's not glucola. <laughs> yeah, I think they have different levels of glucose. Um, and I know it just doesn't have any artificial colors or flavors mm-hmm. or anything like that. And it's a powder. Yeah. So Labeled it's, organic. Yeah, it's yeah. organic. So it's shelf stable. And it's an easy way to get the 50 grams. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, exactly I think it's is. like six bucks too. So it's yeah. not expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, providers could even carry it if you want to because it's shelf stable. <clears throat> and um, also women, when they drink it, have reported like, oh, well, that was delicious. I don't have another, you know, not like it's these awesome. other reports. It's of, like having a glass of lemonade. Yeah. yeah. To right. Like, where they're feeling much. like they're going to vomit and they have to have somebody drive them home. For their appointment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And labs are cool with using it which yes. is the best part yes mm. yes yeah so so that's a great option we'll leave that in show notes um and thanks for listening today bye, bye. Hey everyone, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Born Wild podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe every week to get the latest one. And please follow us on Instagram at Born Wild Podcast, as well as Facebook. You can also write to us at info at bornwildmidwifery.com, as well as our website, bornwildmidwifery.com. And remember, stay wild. wild.